pass-first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You were listening to another episode of Lockdown Blazers, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is another edition of Mailbag Monday, answering listener-submitted questions all episode long. If you want to get involved in Mailbag Monday, there's two ways to do it. One, just tweet at me, at Mike G. Rich. Whenever you're thinking of a question, I'm on Twitter, at Mike G. Rich, send it my way. The other one is uh, part part two of the first way to do it. I send out a tweet on Monday mornings around 9 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, respond to that tweet. I will put it in the show. Simple as that. If you're not a Twitter person, we also have an email address. You can send an email to LockedOnBlazersPod. That's LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com. I check that email weekly. Uh, I will get it in the show. You can, If you want to go a little bit longer with your question or you're just not someone who uses the Hellscape app of Twitter, I totally understand. So the email is open for you. But before I drag the application that the majority of our questions come from any further, let's get right into it. The first question of the day comes from Justin Osland at JustinOsland7 on Twitter who asks, you know what, Justin doesn't even ask questions anymore. He has... He has um, He's moved beyond the plane of queries, and now he just throws out a uh, a trade proposal and says, "Yo, Mike, talk about it." So his "Yo, Mike, talk about it" trade proposal is uh, from Andy Bailey of Bleacher Report, and the trade is Ben Simmons of the Philadelphia 76ers in a two-team trade in exchange for CJ McCollum, Amphrey Simons, in a 2021 first-round pick. I'm hammering this trade, yes. I am smashing the yes button faster than, uh, you know, I, I'm hoping Elton Brand doesn't hang up if he if he proposes this to me. I think there's some obvious caveats. One, CJ McCollum is Damian Lode's probably closest friend on the team. He's certainly up there. Um, probably on this iteration is just his best friend on the team. Uh, they're trading away a guy like that is going to come with some frustration or confusion from Damian Lillard most likely, so he's not going to love that. Anthony Simons, the Blazers are incredibly high on this kid. Um, they, they think he's going to be a star, so they would need to get back a star in return. In addition, a 2021 first-round pick. Um, obviously, the Blazers are like a, a borderline lottery team this year. They probably don't see themselves as that next year, so you're talking about a, a pick in the early to mid-20s. They're probably comfortable giving that away. I mean, you know, late teens, early 20s. They're probably comfortable giving that that pick away. But really, it's whether you're willing to part with CJ and Ant, I think the franchise, the Blazers, would have some reservations about doing it. But me, I say yes. And here's why I say yes. I know that Ben Simmons is afraid of shooting jump shots. The big thing is shoot a three, Ben Simmons. But just shoot the ball from outside 10 feet would be a great start. Look, Google Ben Simmons or whatever, however you search on the internet. Look up Ben Simmons' shot chart from this year. It is bananas. It's not that he's not shooting three-pointers. It's that he has given up, the the young man has given up jump shots. He only shoots inside five feet. He barely attempts shots outside the lane. It's bizarre. And from just kind of talking to people who are around the, the Sixers, I think there is some thought that maybe Simmons is the kind of guy who doesn't care to work on his weaknesses. Um, not that he's not a hard worker. It's just that he says, I'm really good and I've made it this far with these weaknesses. I'm not as worried about them as maybe you are. And maybe he has reason to be. I think he's an elite defender. Um, I, If I had a vote, I'm not sure. I'll, I'm pretty sure I will not get a vote this year. But uh, I would vote Simmons as a first team all defense. 
I think he's that good of a defender. Um, he's an all-star level player despite not shooting jump shots. He's 6'10". Um, he won't have to play out of position where he demands to play point guard. He can just play like a traditional ball handling big next to Dame. It solves the problem of who else can dribble, which is really a question when you uh, play with this Blazers is just like with this Blazers team. It's just like who, like literally is there another player on the team who can dribble? Um, he's an elite talent. Who's under 20. He's under 25. Um, I hammer this hammer this. Yes, Justin. Okay. Next question. This one comes from Sir Wheezy who asks, would you rather a resign Son Whiteside to a long-term deal B lose Whiteside in free agency for nothing or C make a high risk sign and trade deal with Hassan for Blake Griffin and his massive contract you got to pick one okay let's take these one by one first resign Hassan Whiteside to a long-term deal the second option is lose Whiteside for in free agency for nothing. I'm okay with this. Uh, I think for nothing is a little maybe overstated. Uh, you missed out on getting a big haul for him by being a crappy team who couldn't afford to trade him at the trade deadline. In addition, there just wasn't a market for Hassan Whiteside. I I know that there's this that no, Olshay said he told someone at NBC Sports, I believe it was Dwight James, but that the, that uh, Whiteside wasn't on the trade block. That's just BS. There just was no market for him. He couldn't trade him. If he could have traded him for something that would have helped the team, the Blazers obviously had narrow parameters. They needed someone who could play in exchange for him. But they're just he just couldn't get rid of him. So losing him for nothing, that that ship done sailed. But I'm okay with that as an option, personally. But C, I think this is really interesting. Um, High-risk sign-and-trade deal with Blake Griffin for his massive contract. Obviously, Blake was at one point a very good player, uh, even as recently as last season. In the 18-19 season, he was a very good player, uh, but he's just had so many injuries, and that contract is a real tough one. It's $36.5 million in the 2020-21 season, and then in 21-22, it's $39 million. It's $38.95 million. That said, I would take the risk. I think this is maybe an unpopular opinion because of obviously Blake Griffin's injury history, the best ability is availability, all that. Um, but I kind of think um, the Blazers' best chance to be good in the next couple years is to just amass as much talent as possible and some sort of sign and trade where that where Whiteside signs a big old one year deal and then they and then the Pistons ship out Blake, that would appeal to me. I would I would hammer that. Yeah, I'm I'm down with that. That's for the record, for those of you scoring at home, that's two trades on this on this here podcast that I have been in favor of. You finally found things I'm in favor of. Okay, next question comes from Mike Stand at Real Mike Stand on Twitter who asks, did you watch the horse competition? Personally, I'm grateful to the NBA for giving us content and the athletes for taking time out of their day to do it. However, it was a lot more interesting after in taking some of Oregon's finest. Yeah, I mean, smoking weed and watching TV, Mike, is a thing that millions of Americans do every day. Um, it's it probably get a strong endorsement from a cool 12% of the population. Um, horse was not cool. Um, after I got this tweet, I watched the finals. I watched I watched a couple highlight clips of, of the early rounds um, just to catch up, and then I watched the finals with Zach Levine and Michael Conley and Michael Conley won because he's like surprisingly very ambidextrous and can like easily, he's left-handed, but can like easily do things with his right hand. 
Um, but it wasn't cool. Um, like I, I agree with your take is that it's cool that the NBA tried to give some sort of like basketball-y type content. It was cool that some players, both WNBA players and NBA players agreed to be involved with this. Even some retired guys like Chauncey. Um, I thought it was like, it was a cool idea. Um, it's just hard to execute. Um, and like all things, it's just like horse Horse would be more fun if it was in like a controlled environment where it was really highly competitive and it just wasn't that and it's not a controlled environment. Mike Conley is like in a straight up full size gym. Uh, Zach Levine was out, outside in his like backyard, full court, but like an out, outdoor court. Um, so it has some real issues. Um, I My advice, Mike, I didn't particularly care for it, but like if you're going to smoke weed and watch TV, you can do, there's a lot of other television on. So, you know, you know, expand your horizons. Uh, we'll get, there's a big NBA television thing that we'll get to uh, near the end of the show. All right. Second segment, we're going to come back and answer more of your questions. But first, I want to tell you all about Postmates. From the early morning breakfast burrito to a 12 pack of beers while you watch the recorded game on your DVR, sometimes you just need what you need delivered fast. And that's where Postmates comes in. They'll deliver your food from every restaurant you can think of right to your door, but they don't just deliver food. They deliver things that make life easier, like grocery delivery or whatever you can think of delivery too, from convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it. Just download the Postmates app on iOS or Android and find your favorites and get anything you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving my listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use the code LOCKEDONMBA. That's code LOCKEDONMBA for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it. All right. Let's keep it rolling with more questions from Mailbag Monday. This next one comes from Mike Stand. Mike, that's two in a row. I didn't realize when I was organizing the document that you closed the first segment and opened the second one, but hey... Welcome. Thanks for thanks for contributing. I appreciate it. This one from Mike Stand is SB Nation had a thing up about the best team to never win a title. Curious how you would rank maybe the top five Blazer teams to underachieve or not win a title. First of all, sincere condolences to everyone in SB Nation who was furloughed, and that might be code word for fired, let go this week. Uh, the media landscape is really struggling. It was really struggling before all of the sort of crazy world events we're dealing with now um, prior to a global pandemic. And this has not been kind to media companies. I've been someone who's been a victim of the shrinking media world, and it is just an absolute bummer. So my my most heartfelt condolences go out to everyone at SB Nation impacted by that. Those are moms, dads, brothers, sisters. Um, you know, those are just people who lost their jobs this week, and that stinks. But in any case, let's get to the question. The five best Blazer teams to not win a title. Um, at SB Nation, uh, Mike Prada, who I believe was furloughed. Shout out to Mike Prada. He, I can't imagine he stays unemployed long. One of the really talented people in this business. But he did a whole thing about the... Um, best it was called titleless and it's the best teams from all over the all over the NBA and in every franchise to to come up short of a title who organized them into sort of like um 
injured and never got there or flamed out or, or just, you know, ran up against it kind of, uh, you know, unlucky type teams. Uh, really good. He it, he didn't do all the writing. He got people from all over SB Nation. Uh, I believe Dave Decker of Blazer's Edge wrote the one for, uh, wrote both of, of Portland's entries. Um, his were great. Uh, you can check those out. But, you know, every team in the league has one. I've, I've read a handful of them. It's good stuff. But here are my rankings. First, the 99-2000 team. Listen, it's kind of the culmination of two years of, of teams, but they, you know, they made the Western Conference Finals in 1999 during the lockout year, but they came back in 99-2000. They were even better. Up 15 in the fourth quarter of Game 7 on the road in Los Angeles. You know what happened. Second best team. 1977-78. It's a year after they win the championship. They started 50-10. and 10. Walton got hurt. It ended his relationship with the Blazers for 30 years. Um, it was bad, bad news bears. Um, but I really do think that that was the best team in the NBA. I think Walton, he won the MVP that year. He was the best player in the NBA. I think that was, I think that's the best, maybe the best Blazer team ever. Um, but it's 99-2000 certainly has, um, a, it's a claim to that. And so does this next team. The team I picked was the 1992 two Blazers, the team that lost to MJ in the finals, but really it's it's that three-year run. In, in 1990 they lose, to the fi- they lose to the Pistons in the finals. In 91 they lose in the Western Conference finals, but they won 63 games that year. They were the best team in the NBA, the best team in the West. They just came up against a good Laker team and lost. Um, you know, a couple a, a bad Cliff Robinson turnover and a brick by Terry Porter. And that, you know, it's like the difference in having a game seven at home to go to a to three consecutive finals. Um, you know, they would have played MJ in that one too, so who knows how it goes, but uh, a team that makes three straight finals is certainly remembered a little bit differently. So I picked the 92 team if I have to pick a singular team, but it's really that whole arc. And that's kind of the theme of these next three picks. I picked the 2014-15 Trailblazers. That team won 51 games, but Wes Matthews tore his Achilles in the first week of March, March 5th, I remember it very well. And LaMarcus Aldridge pretty much quit on the team during the playoffs, uh, flew home on his own private jet while the team stayed over in, in Portland, uh, walked up the court in the playoffs very noticeably. He basically um, he basically just checked out, completely checked out in the postseason because um, the team had kind of suffered too many injuries to really be competitive. But that was the end of a, a two-year arc. Uh, they won 54 games the year before. Uh, they'd won so 105 games in two years with that Dame, West, Nick, Lamarcus, and Rolo. That that little brief period, that two-year period, was one of the the most competitive teams that they've ever fielded. Uh, and the final one is sort of the the peak of the Brandon Roy Lamarcus Aldridge era. Six years earlier, the 08-09 team is the one I picked. Um, they ended up losing the Rockets in the opening round of the playoffs. Shout out to Aaron Brooks and Luis Scola. But this was Brandon Roy at the height of his powers. Um, this was Greg Oden playing playoff games. Uh, famously ended Dikembe Mutombo's career during this series when they got tangled up and Dikembe hurt his knee. Um, but this was of that group, of that Roy, LaMarcus, Rudy, Steve Blake, Greg Oden... Uh, Travis Outlaw, early Nick Batum years, this was the best version of it. So I'd say those are my five teams. It's really two teams, the 2000 and 1978 team, and then three eras. Um, But, you know, 
I get, this is my show. I get to answer it however I want. Follow-up question. This is also from Mike Stand. What? Why are the top five worst Blazer team nicknames all Zers? I don't know, but you're right about that. Okay, next question is from Ryan at R. Connell27 on Twitter who asks, MLS, which is Major League Soccer for the Real Heads, is looking at a possible tournament-style season in September-October. be World Cup-ish, Ryan notes. Would the NBA be able or want to do this? Granted, it's much later in, later in the season. I think this is the most reasonable way that the NBA comes back. Um, I've heard a lot of... I've read a lot of different things. Sam Amick of The Athletic on The Athletic had... Um, sort of an optimistic view of how the NBA might come back, but we're just, we just don't know. We're so far away from being able to reasonably just like send people out in public without fear of, of a pretty deadly virus spreading. Um, That's a hard way to run an NBA season, but I think the best way it would come back is some sort of single site tournament, whether that would be single elimination, which seems very unlikely or some kind of combination of like round robin and then you get into a series type uh tournament or if they just say listen we played 60 games we kind of know who's good if you weren't in the top eight you weren't in the top eight sorry trailblazers i think that's a that's uh, a possibility, but I do think the most likely thing that when the NBA comes back is it'll come back in sort of a condensed creative tournament and they'll just try to go from there. I don't think it comes back um, in a sort of traditional handful of regular season games, 10 weeks of playoffs or four rounds of playoffs. I just, um, it doesn't seem right. Okay, next question comes from Matthew at Revan Romulus on Twitter who asks, I feel like there was less talk about unicorn, in quotes, unicorn-style players this year, and one team even tried to eliminate the center position from their team. What is more likely, the no-center team becomes the popular move for teams, or that we see a return to to traditional-style center? Well, listen, it isn't going to be the first one. Being tall is still incredibly valuable. Uh, being Being big is always going to be good, um... But what made what made this sort of unicorn thing popular was it was I believe and you can correct me if I'm wrong here Matthew or any other listeners out there is that it was is mostly attributed early on to Kristaps Porzingis he's seven foot three he can handle he shoots threes he's mobile he's this freak unicorn a once in a lifetime type thing but then a bunch of other unique players started saying well or teams started to say well he's our unicorn Carl Anthony Towns is our unicorn well Giannis Antetokounmpo is our unicorn. Well, in Philly, we've got Joel Embiid and uh, Ben Simmons, two very large, uh, gifted players. There are unicorns. Um, even Toronto with Pascal Siakam, he's a unicorn. Like that is, it just, it, the the term became so diffuse that it lost all meaning the way terms typically do. So that's, I think, why that went away. But the thing that didn't go away is but that being big in basketball is super important. Um I don't think we're going to see a traditional style center, like a throw it into the post. But I do think being big, being able to guard the rim on and set big screens and rebound and score inside by being large will always be in style because the league, that's just the the way the league works. Uh, the, the Rockets obviously went to this no center thing. It was going to be one of the great experiments of our time was to learn if... Um, Playing six foot seven, Robert Covington at center could win one playoff series. Um, could that team beat Nikola Jokic? Maybe even someone in the running for a, a unicorn 
designation, but could they beat a team like that in the playoffs? I think that was, you know, could they beat Rudy Gobert in the playoffs? I think yes, but um, but uh, it's, it's the, the Rockets are unique. Nobody can do what they do. If more teams could, they do, they would. I mean, it just, James Harden is so devastating in isolation that they can run this unique offense where they just kind of spread the floor and let him do what he does and then run a little bit with Russell Westbrook. If other teams had that type of elite isolation player, maybe you see more of them go to that that style. And this and they just play super switchy on defense and they think that with the strength of their guards, particularly Eric Gordon and PJ Tucker, that they're strong enough to get away with being a little bit shorter. Uh, I'd throw James Harden in there too. He's not a good defender, but he is really strong. Um and he and he like if you post him up, at least he can pay attention to that. So I think the center thing is unique to the Rockets. Um, so I'd say if I had to pick on this one, I'd say the return of a traditional style center is more important. Man, have I been wrong on these guesses in the past, Matthew. So you're welcome for being wrong about this again. All right. In the third segment, close out the show, answering more of your Mailbag Monday questions. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listening to Locked On Blazers. And it's still Mailbag Monday. Let's close out the show answering more of your questions. This next one comes from Logan Gillis. Logan asks, Who wins one-on-one? A Dame-size Arvia Sabonis in his prime versus CJ McCollum. Versus current CJ McCollum. Also, what's the strangest answer you've ever received from a Blazers player in an interview? I think... I think current CJ beats a Dame-sized Sabonis. I think what made Sabonis so special is that he did everything that he did at his size. Um, Obviously, Sabonis in his prime was an amazing athlete with incredible feel for the game, but an incredible feel for the game is not as valuable in one-on-one, and what would have made Sabonis so much better than CJ in one-on-one is that he could have just been stronger than him and just posted him up, pushed him around, um, you know, been able to use his size to protect the rim a little bit and, and, and close down space, make CJ shoot from deeper. But I think if you shrink Sabonis down to 6'3", basically CJ's size, uh, I think I think CJ, an elite one-on-one player, he's got some flaws, but an elite one-on-one player, I think, um, I think I'm think i going Christian James over Sabas on that one. Sorry, sorry, real head Blazer fans who are mad that I picked against Sabas. I'm sorry, dude's a legend, uh, but it's Logan's fault for shrinking him down. He shrunk him like almost a full foot, so that's on Logan. Okay, strangest answer I've ever received from a Blazers player in an interview. There's, you know, I think that's always like a, sort of in the eye of the beholder or, or, or situational. I've had some weird, um, interviews. Uh, there's a, there was a classic Robin Lopez exchange when it's my first year on the beat. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, when you go into the locker room, it's kind of like, um, there's a few dominant personalities. You can imagine like Jason Quick dominating the locker room, getting all getting the goods. Uh, usually, whoever is the Oregonian reporter, who was me at the time, and other times been uh, Joe Freeman or uh, Jamie Goldberg, Mike Tiquito. But you know that person doing their thing. Whoever works for NBC, NBC usually is 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 
doing their own thing. Jabari Young, Chris Haynes, kind of making their own making their own space. And then there's just kind of like a lot of just TV people in there, kind of following around. So if Dame gets up to talk, the media, the horde will go follow Dame. Boom, everyone's getting that audio. So you kind of you if you're trying to do your own story, maybe you. Maybe you see that, and, and when everyone zigs, you zag. So I, I see that. Everyone's going to Dame or whoever it was, LaMarcus. Um, who knows? But I, I see Robin Lopez over in the corner, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to get a little Rolo quote, add some color to my story that isn't the same Damien Lord soundbite that the, every news network and, and you know my, my direct competitors are going to have in their game story. So I go over to Robin Lopez, and I ask him a question, and you know, kind of what man, what happened in the fourth quarter? Like, you know, like what, what, what kind of went wrong? Just like a, a shitty classic, um, media member question. Just, I didn't think it out very well. So like I said, first year on the beat, I hadn't really, I hadn't really honed my skills in asking this question. And Robin Lopez just looks at me and goes, Oh, well, I'd have to look at the box score, but, uh, I think we were winning in the third quarter and they, uh, scored more points than us in the fourth. And I think that was probably the difference. And I said, thanks, Robin, and just walked away. So that's not the strangest answer, but um, it's certainly one that sticks out. I've, I've had weird interviews with Chris Kamen where he's kind of been touchy, but no one ever comes like truly off the wall. I think this year, specifically, interviews with CJ McCollum and... Uh, Hassan Whiteside were the strangest. CJ, because sometimes he would be so resistant to sort of obvious things like, hey, why don't you, um, you know, you you pass the ball a lot more when you don't play with Dame. Why don't you like try to incorporate that more into your game? He'd say, that's that's a question for coach. Like, okay, great. Um, What an an incredible interaction, CJ. I can't believe that that you think the reason that you don't pass is because maybe Terry doesn't, tells you not to. super strange to me or just any interaction with Hassan Whiteside in general. Um, there was one game where he was just ripping off one liners. Um, and it's a story I, I, I was going to try to write, but I'll just spoil it here. Cause I don't know if the season's ever going to come back and that might mean Hassan never comes back, but he would just do, he would just speak in these just wild one liners. So it'd be like one time I walked into the locker room and, and, uh, uh, Zach Collins is like, what up, Flo? And he's talking to, to Hassan, and Hassan's like, what up? And I was like, who's Flo? And he was like, oh, we we was going to be State Farm and Progressive if Zach had been healthy because we were going to provide all that insurance. And I started to laugh, and then Zach Zach's leaving in this, this is like pregame, and Zach's walking out, and uh, Hassan yells something like, tell him it's about to be Lego season. And Zach's like, what's that? He's like, a bunch of blocks. And he would just um, he would just rip off one-liners like this. And it would be like, you'd be talking about one thing and Hassan would co- have come up with this incredible, basically rap lyric, you know, like little like one-off. Um, and he just he would just get it out. So those are the most strange. I probably have better stories if I really like look through my old notebooks and stuff like that. But those are the ones that when I, I kind of prep for this question that really stuck out to me. And I wanted to do a Robin Lopez impression. So you got that. Next question comes from Esoteric Eric at Esoteric underscore Eric on Twitter. Who asks? Thoughts so far on The Last Dance. Last Dance premiered Sunday. I'm recording this on a Monday. First two episodes um, of the Michael Jordan documentary on ESPN. 
I really enjoyed it, um, but I will say this. None of it in the first two episodes was particularly uh, revelatory. Like, I knew all of the stories. I knew... I've, I've read a big Michael Jordan biography in the last, like, three years. Um, Roland Lansby's Jordan book. Um, I enjoyed it. Maybe a little too heavy on his, his childhood, but whatever. Um, so I knew a bunch of that stuff. You know, I'm a, I'm a Chapel Hill native, so I kind of know the legend of MJ and Chapel Hill. Um, that wasn't new to me. One of my favorite pieces of trivia that they spoiled was that when Jordan scored 63 points in 86, that he had 49 in game one. Um, but I did watch it with my partner, who is a very big uh, sports fan, but she's not maybe as dialed in on like the specifics of Jordan in the 90s as, as someone who spent 10 years as a sports reporter is. Um, so... It was, I think it was more, she had a lot of fun. She enjoyed it a lot and that made me enjoy it more. I'm looking for in the final eight episodes, uh, more like revelations and hopefully him punching his teammates. I want to see him punch Steve Kerr. Do we have the video of him punching Steve Kerr? Let's put that on ESPN. Let's talk about it. I'll be excited if we get to see it or just in general, I want to see, I want to see the guy that everyone says Jordan is, that he was a ruthless competitor who's cussing out teammates and challenging them and all these things. I want to see that MJ on the screen. So um, that's what I'll look forward to. But I'm going to watch them all. I love the first two episodes, even if I didn't learn anything new. Um, and I think uh, I'll enjoy the next ones. Next question comes from HR. This is HRFX on Twitter who asks, you playing any video games? So I believe, you know, we're all at home, quarantined. And uh, you want to know what video games I'm playing? I'm playing a little bit of NBA 2K. Um, I'm not good, so I don't like cr- I don't like play online and like go in. Um, and I and also I uh, have been playing a little bit of Stardew Valley on PlayStation, uh, a game that I never gotten into. I guess everyone in the world is playing Animal Crossing. Stardew Valley is like Animal Crossing on crack. It's just like less. It's less chill. It, it lacks all the. Ch- the chill funness of, uh, of Animal Crossing, but it is, you know, farming-based RPG. Uh, I never played first-person shooters, like, ever in my life, so um, I had a PlayStation, so when my neighbor got Halo as a kid, I wasn't over there. I You know, he would play Halo, I would basically watch. Um, didn't have a 64, so I played Bond, but only at friends' houses. Like, I didn't get introduced to the first-person shooters as a young kid. I always played sports games. Um, I've kind of dialed back my video games, but I'm home a lot, so, you know, I'm, I'm out there playing Stardew Valley and 2K. Uh, I also own Harry Potter Lego Edition. Probably might be that too. Um, I got little kid games on deck. All right, next question. Final question of the show. This one comes from Matthew at Reverend Romulus on Twitter, who asks, which fictional basketball player would you add to this Trailblazers team to make them a surefire contender? So I I, I did a lot I did a lot of research about um, fictional basketball players. Um, I famously just watched Blue Chips. Uh, I don't know if that's famous. If you're a listener to this podcast, you probably know that I, I had not seen Blue Chips before quarantine started, but I have since seen the film Blue Chips. So I think Neon Bordeaux would really help. Um, I think I think that would be valuable. Bush McRae, both both characters in that film would really help. But if you're just talking about like what the Blazers need, they need Scott Howard. That's Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf gets buckets. Uh, it's pretty much all Teen Wolf does. Doesn't pass. Not a, not much of a passer. Um, but he's an elite defender. He just he he just disrupts plays on defense. Um, I guess he does pass, but they're only like um, 
only full court passes. So he doesn't pass in the half court. But if you run, Teen, uh, Teen Wolf will find you. Uh, but he's just, he, he gets buckets in this game is and always will be about buckets, to quote another fake basketball player, Uncle Drew. Um, yeah, I think Teen Wolf on the wing, you know, he's only 5'5", five, five, but he is a wolf. Um, he's a teenager, so you got... 10, 15 years to build around him. Uh, I think he t- takes some of the pressure off Damon CJ. I think it allows you to really explore options for trading CJ and uh, g- trying to get some value out of him. Uh, this is, if listen, if the Blazers were excited about Anthony Simons and his ability to score as kind of a single-minded, undersized guard who can score, Teen Wolf is way better, just way better than Anthony Simons. And look, Simons has a lot of space to grow. Uh, he could still develop into a really good player, but Team Wolf is a really good player right now. You get that? You get the Wolf out there. Blazers are a handful in the West. So Scott Howard, that's who I'm picking. Also, just as a note, just as long as we're noting stuff, not a lot of bigs, not in like fictional fictional characters. Mostly guards. Mostly that's that's what we've dreamed up in our creative. Uh, collective creative conscious as, as we mostly when we create fictional characters they're dudes who dribble up the court um <laughs> and they're not they're not guards and wings they're certainly not three and d players they need to be more fictional three and d players that's what the blazers could really use all right that's going to do it for this episode while you're kicking around in the basketball podcast sphere why not check out chad ford's big board it's a new podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, and it's got a bunch of big national guests to kick off its early episodes. So check check that out. Also, do me a favor and tell your friends about this very podcast. If you like Locked On Blazers, and they're a Blazers fan, basketball fan, chances are they'll like Locked On Blazers too. They can find it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Locked On Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate everyone who makes Mailbag Monday possible. If you want to get involved, tweet at me at Mike G. Rich or send me an email at LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com. LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.